Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. Personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 270, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We've got a lot to jump into. We'll have a little Trayvon Diggs conversation as the Cowboys approach their first full week out there in Oxnard. Got a lot of little stories that we'll jump into in the block some Rangers thoughts as the trade deadline approaches. But before we get anything going, maybe this is the weekend that you had that car accident. You got hurt on the premises of a business and you need the green team. The attorneys at Greening Law, they've represented all sorts of clients from car accidents to birth injuries to assault cases. They are your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Pro, there's a reason why if you're involved in any of those things Matt talked about, there's a reason why you should either pick up the phone or walk yourself over there. But by all means, pick up the phone, hit them up, 972-934-8900, 972-934-8900. Tell the green team your problem. Here's the details of the incident I was involved in. What do you think? They'll either say, hey, we think you'll make a fine client, or, ah, you know, I don't think it's a good fit, best of luck. If they take you on as a client, it's been your lucky day because they're going to walk you through this kind of intimidating, complicated process and uh, Matt can tell you better than anybody why you want them holding your hand the whole way. They take care of all the headaches, man. They do all that background stuff with the insurance companies and everything you've got to deal with. They're going to do it right, and they're going to take care of you. It's the Green Team. It's Greening Law. Consultation's free. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So Trayvon Diggs, ah, the Cowboys' young stud cornerback. Trayvon Diggs, who led the NFL in interceptions last year with 11, who for the first time since, what, Everson Walls in 1981 became the first player to have 11 or more interceptions in an NFL season. And Trayvon Diggs, who, I mean, he's one of those guys to me that it's an interesting conversation when you start talking with about him and Cowboys fans gets involved. He's been in the year, the league for two years. He's going into year three. He had three interceptions as a rookie, 11 last year, as I just said. And Trayvon Diggs now coming out and look, he's got lofty goals. He told the USA Today, what is your goal? He said, be higher than last year. Beat my 11 
just keep going and improving. He said, I had my hand on 14 balls last year, and I ended up with not 14 interceptions, so that's a problem. I just want to make a significant jump from last year and capitalize on all the plays that I didn't capitalize on last year. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with that, dog. Um, and see, I like that approach. He's not saying, let me go do something I've never done. He's saying, I got my hands on 14 balls. If I had caught 14 of those that I had my hands on, I, I immediately do better. Yeah. And if you use, like, the maturation and improvement of a player and say, okay, in year three, he should understand route combinations better. He should understand down and distance and how they relate to route combinations better. He should understand offensive coordinators that he's going to see for the second or third time in the same schemes better. So if I do that, perhaps he can get his hands on more footballs, more deflections, more whatever. But he said he had his hands on 14. Well, maybe he can get his hands on 20 this year. And if he can convert half of those, he's still in double digits. Now, that's a tall task to ask. But he's a guy who ever since he showed up in the league, People have been talking about he's a wide receiver playing DB. And about those three picks he got his rookie year, bro, they came in the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, again, the reality of something like this, I mean, you can go back through. Xavier Howard, oddly enough, had 10 interceptions in 2020. Before that, before Xavier Howard had his 10 in 2020, obviously Diggs had the 11 last year. You had to go back all the way to 2007 to find the last time a cornerback had 10 interceptions in a single season. I mean, it's it's very, very rare for guys to get double-digit interceptions. Generally speaking, the league leader is like seven, maybe eight. And as a matter right. of fact, before Diggs had 11, Xavier Howard had 10 in 2020. In 2019, the league leader had six. So, again, it's – yeah, you – Sure, I, I think it's a great, it's a lofty goal. It'd be amazing, obviously. It'd blow everybody's minds if somehow he wound up with 11 or more and did something that we haven't seen since really the 70s. That was the last time Lester Hayes in 1980 had 13 interceptions. That was the last time anybody had more than 11 interceptions. So you just look at it and the way the game is, the how more accurate quarterbacks are these days, and really, and we've kind of talked about this before, the problem becomes if, if you're going to become like a Revis Island type guy, they just don't throw at you. Right. Um, and see, that's the, that's the issue. Like, you know, depending on who you listen to or what you believe, he's a um, – Trayvon Diggs is a guy who gambles a lot, mm -hmm. who takes chances, who tries to make the big play. And ain't nothing wrong with that, really. Uh, but in doing so, you're going to get hit on some double moves, and we saw it, and it hurts when it happens. And so he's out there trying to make it happen. As long as that's the case, he's going to get opportunities, bro, because quarterbacks look at him and go, okay, he might get us, but oh boy, we might get him for six too if, if we can hit this double move just right. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is you look at it and – Again, I know that you can use PFF and, and sometimes you hate them and sometimes they've got good numbers, but you look at it and they track stuff like this, like yardage given up when he was the primary, the primary defender and he allowed over a thousand yards when he was the primary defender last year, which is only the ninth time that's ever happened in the last 10 years that PFF has been charting that. And then we kind of talked about this before too, and he makes plays, he's very aggressive but he also, when he takes those risks, as you were just talking about, you look at it, I mean, he gives up 
if he doesn't get the pick, there are times where he gives up a lot of chunk plays. So to me, I'd rather his goal, instead of trying to improve on that 11 interception number, I'd rather you improve on the amount of yardage that you're giving up and the big plays that also come along with that. Bro, nothing wrong with that. Um, because that's what we're talking about. I mean, it, it's the – check this out, bro. It, I mean, it makes perfect sense, and not just because I said it. it. We're talking about the Byron Jones, Trayvon Diggs approach. You want a guy who doesn't get any picks but gives up very few big plays because he's always kind of in position, or do you want the guy who he may give up that ass but he may take some back and change the game for you? And it's really what you're comfortable with, um, you know, in terms of what you want, man. Um, and right now, you know, as long as Trayvon Diggs is making plays, you can live with the gambles that he takes. Yeah, and we talked about this when we were going through the cornerback rankings like three weeks ago, whenever that was, and he was ranked by those 50 NFL head coaches, executives, players, and all that. He was ranked as the 10th best cornerback in the league, and they've got a stat on that ranking that shows that next-gen stats had him giving up 790 yards as the nearest defender, and he allowed 790 yards on 46 of 86 passing, that's 17 yards of completion when he was the nearest defender. That is sky high. Dude, that's ridiculous. That's terrible. That's, uh, that's abject, that, and that's something that can't happen. Um, now, so, I mean, you know, we understand that nearest defender, that could be a little shady. But the bottom line right. is when you give up too many, too many, uh, too many big plays, bro, uh, teams score with big plays. And so the object is you can't give them up. It's, it's that simple. It's not complicated. That's just the, the nature of the beast. And he gave up too many last year, despite the interceptions. The interceptions are great. You just got to do a better job. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. How Overall, how do you look at this Cowboys secondary? Because I, I imagine that we're going with your starting corners are Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs. Jordan Lewis is your nickel corner, your slot corner, whatever you want to call them. And then Curse and Hooker are your two safeties. I mean, is this – it feels like we have a better – secondary maybe than we've had in a while simply because of the fact that Trayvon Diggs makes so many plays and you've got guys like Curse who had a really good season last year and Malik Hooker who's finally healthy it seems like who also when he's healthy is a guy who can really make some plays for you well he's a couple years removed I'm talking about Hooker now. yeah he's a couple years removed from his Achilles so you should be getting pretty much closer to the best version um, of him that he can be um, you know, I think uh, Anthony Brown is off to a good, good start in training camp uh, before they put the pads on. We always got to throw that caveat. Uh, but he played pretty solid last year. Um, so I think he's cool. I think um, Jordan Lewis is fine as a slot guy. I think the knock on both of those guys is they're not very big, and so that can lead to some issues. Um, boss Man Fat, bruh. I have no I idea. Seen. I don't even know what to think about him. Uh, I'd say this. Okay, let me tell you what to think about him. This feels like this is his last year in Dallas uh, because he, you know, we'll see what he does um, during the season. We'll see if he can if he can elevate and and become a player. But again, bro, and you know, I'm not gonna bang this drum too loudly. Okay, I will. This is what happens when every time in the second round you take a chance on it. Oh, he's a first round talent. Let's yeah. Why, why don't you just go get a dude who can freaking play? Quit trying to get over. Quit trying to make a steal. Yes, you will catch a Sean Lee from time to time. But more often than not, you don't. 
So quit trying to outthink everybody, outsmart everybody, prove that you're the smartest franchise in the room. And there's a reason why cats drop. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's medical, off the field, there's a reason why. And so, you know, man, they rolled the dice with this dude, and it looks like it's come up snake eyes again for them in the second pick. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of one of those things. I mean, to your point, you're right. You look at it, he only played in 10 games last year. You look at him for the season last year as a rookie, he played 164 snaps defensively, and it's wild because I don't remember him doing anything at all on defense, like at all. I don't even remember him playing on defense last year. I, I, he, he played on special teams. I mean, he got in on some special team snaps. And I remember on that, I do not remember Kelvin Joseph playing on defense at all last year. No, I don't, I don't, I don't either. And he didn't do a lot of it, man. No, and but so, I mean, 164 snaps. I mean, he was out there. He played some. Dude, that's 10 snaps a game. And I think the vast majority of those came in the last three games of the regular season. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he was just a non-factor. He's got to be more of a factor this year. Well, it'll probably be his last uh, season in Dallas. He can spend more time working on his rap career. <laughs> yeah, you, maybe he will be doing that. You know, it's interesting. I was just looking at this. We're, we're all aware of what the Cowboys did last year and how they had 26 interceptions. Obviously, Trayvon Diggs was a huge part of that. But, I mean, you look at this and you go, man, Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis each had three interceptions. I mean, if you can get three, four interceptions right. from those guys, I mean, you don't you don't necessarily have to have the dude – that's taken the ball away 10 or 11 times. You know, they spread that yeah. out real easy with their secondary last year because Curse and Casey also had two interceptions apiece. I mean, those are five dudes in the secondary that didn't, you know, even if you throw Trayvon Diggs out, Brown, Lewis, Curse, and Casey ended up with 10 combined interceptions. No, that part is fine, man. I mean, you know, the thing about Trayvon Diggs is the reason we're talking about him is he had so many, so dynamic, and then he started giving up all those yards. Mm. And so it becomes, who are you? And what do you want? What fits best for the team? What's the team need? Uh, do they need the big plays or do they need fewer big plays and more stability? And that's what we're trying to figure out. In addition to the fact, man, that and, – and I was doing the opposite kind of research you were doing. But, like, Dick Nitrain Lane has the NFL record for interceptions with 14. You know he did that as rookie, bro. Yeah. He, he played, like, 13 seasons in the NFL. He had 10 in year three, never more than seven. You know, Lester Hayes had that 13, bro. He never had more than four in any other season. Um, even Everson Walls had 11 as a rookie. Yeah. He played 13 years. He never hit double digits again. So that's what we're saying. It's not a, it's not a why you guys want to be a wet blanket. Why you guys want to throw shade. Nah, bro. It's just that there's a reason why they call these career years. There's a reason why a lot of people do this as rookies because they're being attacked and they make right. plays. And then after that, they go, oh, let's not mess with him anymore. So you hope that he can have some success and get some picks. But I think six or seven would be a huge number still, but we'll all look at it like, wow, that's a little down. Yeah, man, I mean, you look at it, like how great was Champ Bailey? Champ Bailey, one of the great cornerbacks of all time, only twice in his career, and he played 15 seasons in the NFL, only twice did he have more than five interceptions in a season. Wow. Now some of that is just what we're talking about. Right. People didn't throw at him, like Dion. Mm -hmm. um, I bet I don't think Dion ever had more than seven in a, in a season. Let's see. Yeah, Dion Sanders. Yep, you you nailed it, dude. His career high was seven. He had six in two other years, but he had. This is one thing about Dion that kind of sticks out. He had at least two interceptions in every single season that he played in. Right. 
He had at least two, um, and in most of them he had at least three, but never more than seven. Because people just didn't attack him. They're like, the risk-reward is not good because, one, if he takes it, if he gets it, he's taking it to the house. Yeah. And so not only did we turn it over, uh, he's scoring a touchdown with it. And, uh, nah, bro, not going to laugh. Yeah, man, I mean, you, you look at this. It's really interesting when you start looking at, like, the great corners of the names, like Champ Bailey, Dion. I'm looking at Darrell Rivas right now. I mean, again... How often were they throwing at him at some point? Darrell Rivas never had more than six interceptions in a season, and he only did that once. He had six interceptions his third year in the league. The next year, zero. Bro, they quit testing him. I mean, that is wild, man. So, yeah, to the point, going back to the Trayvon Trayvon Diggs whole thing, is the idea that, okay, it is rare as hell to have double-digit interceptions in a career and so he's done it, and now you got to think. I mean, if he ends up with six interceptions, to me, that's a lot. I'd be like, damn, he followed that up with six? That's legit. Like, anything yeah. anything six, seven, eight interceptions? I mean, if you've got a cornerback that can do that, and he's like, a, it will become to a point where they stop throwing at him. Dude, I mean, you're exactly right. Um, what? Jesus, you're right, man. Uh, until Xavier Howard did it in 2020, yeah. followed up by Trayvon. You know, Cromartie in 2007. And then they had that three-year stretch. Uh, But before um, Ty Law, Duff O'Neill, Champ Bailey, Asante Samuel, and Cromartie did it in five, six, and seven, bro, they hadn't had anybody since Mark Carrier in 1990. I mean, getting 10 picks is basically a rarity. Yes, it is. It's It's extremely rare. Right. And and so that's the thing of – you all right there? I'm sorry. You'll never believe what happened. It sounds like something fell off and you're screwing it back on. No. Um, it's my prosthetic penis. But no. Um, no, that's what unfortunate. What happened was, <laughs> I'm, I'm being very focused on trying to hold the mic closer to me today. Okay. But as Matt knows, I've been very, very active today. Yes. I've got 20,000 steps. And so I had my sunglasses in my shirt. And I'm so focused on holding the mic close to my mouth so that Matt doesn't cuss me out because the sound is, is um, inconsistent, that the bottom of the mic got stuck in my sunglasses. <laughs> and once again, we have something that could only happen to Taylor. Yeah, pretty much. And then I'm trying to yank it out, and again, forgetting that every little, every little sound makes noise. <laughs> I'm just like, what am I doing? Yeah, it does indeed. And, and at first I heard it, and then it's like, man, it sounds like there's something really going on over there. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, but it, 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 this whole thing with cornerbacks is a really interesting conversation to me because, like, the more that you dig into it and you look at it, you know, and you start thinking, it's wild to think, like, Xavier Howard, who just wrapped up, I believe, year six, you know, he had 10 interceptions two years ago. Well, he followed that up with five interceptions last year, and five interceptions is a lot. And he had seven right. interceptions his third year in the league. So to me, I don't necessarily need Diggs to roll out and and year in and year out, even sniff 10 interceptions. But, dude, if you can do, like, five in a given year and then you jump up and maybe you get eight and then you follow it up with another five, I mean, that's a really damn successful cornerback. Hell, yeah. And, you know, most years the the guys are getting, like, eight, nine. Yeah. You know, who lead the league. Um, You know, but what happens is you can really tell when they change the the law, the rules for passing, bro, because before double digits was normal. Um, the league leader from 74 to 81 had double digits every year. And then they started changing those rules to give the uh, the receivers more leeway, and, and that changed in a hurry, bro. 
Yeah, and it's wild, man, because, you know, a lot of people are probably familiar with this. I mean, Ed Reed and, and guys like Charles Woodson and all that, but, you know, the people that had the most interceptions all time in their careers, Paul Krause and Imlin Tunnel, who played like, Krause was like 60s and 70s, and Imlin Tunnel right. was some dude from the 50s. You know, they're, right. they're the all-time. upside the head. Yeah, totally different. I mean, even Rod Woodson, when he played, he's third all-time. And you look at Rod Woodson. Rod Woodson never had a double-digit season, and his high was eight. He did that twice, had seven once. But again, it's that longevity and that consistency, kind of like Dion, of, okay, I'm going to always have at least two or three, and then sometimes if you want to keep testing me, I might jump up, I might grab seven or eight. Exactly. It's interesting. So as we continue here and we get set to take this trip around the block, Freeway Tire Shop, man, if you need help with your car getting it taken care of, getting it to get around the block, whether it's new tires, whether it's an oil change, a state inspection, or something, some of the work that everybody has to have done from time to time, Freeway Tire Shop, the guy you can trust. You're like, oh, where do I take my car? We just gave you the answer. The mechanic you can trust, JR and his guys <laughs> at Freeway Tire Shop. Dude, it's... Um... You know, JR has been a been a great help to me. I've been a great help to putting his kids through school. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. But the, the the reality of it, man, is is I mess with JR because uh, you can trust him, man, and that's all you want from from your mechanic. Much like your doctor, he's a doctor for your car, and so you trust him to diagnose the, what's wrong with the car, what's wrong with the patient. Then you trust them to use quality parts to fix what's wrong, and that's a big deal, man. Because when you use raggedy, really poop parts, you can have the same problem in like a year or less. Uh, then I, I trust them to charge me a fair price. Yes, and I don't get it for free. But the, I never cringe at the price. He'll email me a quote. And sometimes, dog, I'll be like, dog, I can't handle that right now. Uh, what, is yeah. what is necessary right now? He'll say, okay, you need to do this and this. We can wait for this and this. All right, let's rock with that then, man. That's what I appreciate. I'm going to have to get it done sooner or later. I just, you know, I ain't ready to shell out $1,000 right now, 1200 right now. Yeah. And then, man, I trust him to stand behind his work, bro. I mean, we're all human. Nobody's infallible. Sometimes they say they fixed it, and you go home, and a week later is doing the same thing. You bring it back. Oh, okay, we, we, we got it. Here it is. And that's just being real, man. There's no mechanic on the planet that's 100% of the time accurate with their work. All right? So instead of being like, hey, I don't know what happened. Sounds like a new deal to me. He just goes, hey, let's look at it again. Let's diagnose it again, go through the whole process again, and figure out how we can get it fixed. It's freeway tire shop, man. It's that simple. It's right north of downtown Dallas. You can request a quote, schedule an appointment online at freewaytireshop.com. So we take this trip around the block, and I got is so you just mentioned a, a moment ago that you have over 20,000 steps today. You're obviously still going to get more. I'm curious, is that the highest that you've ever been able to hit? Do you have any idea? You know, I hadn't thought about it, and then when we were kicking it around, I was like, you know what? Let me see, because, you know, at one level, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I'm a scan this while we're talking. Yeah. Because most weeks, I'm, I, I told Matt, I hit between nine or ten. During football season, if I'm out at the star, I hit a lot more. It's more like ten or twelve, because you do just a lot more walking just out there. Yeah. But, uh, dude, I, this off the top of my head, man, I bet it's been six months since I hit 20,000 steps. Because that's a lot of walking. That and, is a lot of walking. And in the COVID world that we live in today, I just don't walk that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you're not out. In a, you're just now to the point where we're getting out and about on a regular basis. 
I see if quite a few 13s and 12s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got uh, several of those on mine. I'm into March, bro. Oh, there's a there's a 16 on March 17th. 16's a lot. Wow, that's St. Patrick's and a half. Day. Look at you. Yeah, maybe I was getting down. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, there's some 12s, some 10s. Some, there's a 14 on February 10th. Bro, I said six months, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> now, this is what I enjoy about the Fitbit, is that you can go back. Well, there's a 14 yeah, on December 17th. There's a 14 on my son's birthday, December 11th. Uh, ooh, there's an 18 on November 30th. I wonder what I was doing. I, don't, I mean, that's a lot because, again, like generally speaking, 10,000 steps is about five miles. Right. So, and like, if you're not a runner and you're not running like a 5K or doing a 10K or something, generally speaking, you know, walking five miles in a day can be quite a bit. I haven't had over 15,000 steps in over a year. Oh, really? I was going to say, I just saw a 17 and a 16 for me. Yeah, but I've got a bunch between 10,000 and 15,000. Yeah, okay. But like the the last time, and I just remember this off the top of my head because I was like, holy crap. And it was when we were moving at one point, and I ended up doing like 27,000 steps in a single day. Oh, and, my God. And that was literally from like, I, like 90% of that was walking all the way down the hall of the apartment time and time and time again, loading stuff, and then getting out and unloading it at the new place. I mean, it was just insane. Okay, I'm just asking. I'm not judging. Why did you not hire somebody to do that? That was... Actually, I think we hired somebody to move the big stuff. And so we, no, we hired somebody to move all that shit. We hired somebody. Well, I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I mean, nowadays, I don't know that I would do it like that again. You know, that was like the last time where I was like, I cannot believe how much <laughs> crap we have. Bro, like, that's the thing. Like, you've yeah. always got more stuff than you think, yeah, even I, if you don't have a lot. Yep. I didn't realize how many boxes we would have because I told him, I was like, hey, Bro. just get the furniture and the heavy crap. You know, and I, I was like, we can't possibly have that many boxes and stuff. And it ended up just being, you know, and, and when it's basically you moving it, even with the dolly or even with something to put it on, you can only move like three boxes at once. Bro, absolutely. You know, and, and I don't think we ended up getting like, a, you know, like, like they had a truck that they load all the big stuff on. So it was just me and her had our cars at the time. And we were loading it up, take a load and then come back and then take another load. I mean, nah. it was just... A beating. Yeah, that's when we moved from our apartment that was in West Dallas to that house that we were living in in Irving. Okay. Yeah, that was that day when I moved out of that apartment to that house. I got 27. I mean, it was insane. Nah, man. See, we had, uh, we should have had some endorsement money by then to help defray the the move. Yeah. yeah. What can you do? We should have taken up a raffle on the show. Uh, you know what's funny, though, is. And gotten a GoFundMe to help the move. Like now, like every Friday, I crack over 13,000 steps because I mow the yard. And apparently, like, I don't even think I realize how many steps I take mowing the yard, just walking, pushing the mower around the yard. I knew you were going to have a bunch between 10 and 15,000 for no other reason than your workouts are like that. You know, because you do a lot of running and jumping and, you know, this and that that adds steps to it. Um, I don't do so. I don't do nearly as much as Matt, although I do jump rope between every set. Um, so I get, you know, I probably get about five thousand by the time I leave the gym in the morning. Then it's yeah. like, hey, can I get another five? I'm down to April fifth, twenty twenty, Matt, and nothing more than at one eighteen and two or three seventeens. So maybe this is a career high for Taylor today. Yeah, it might be. I mean, a very well. I, I mean, that that's 
getting over 20,000 steps, especially without running, like you're not doing a 10K or anything, that is a lot of walking and moving around. I mean, because that's basically yeah. 10 miles. Yeah, and I've been a whole lot of places today. Yeah. Uh, doing a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I was... Let me tell you, most of it ain't been fun. I bet, man. My, my average... I was, I, was, I was lamenting to Matt earlier, and we'll tell y'all about it someday. I ain't gonna tell y'all about it today. All right. What's your average? You can see that if... if like, my no, average like is like 8,400. Where do you see that at? You can go to... If you're on the Fitbit app, you can, yeah. like, where it shows all your steps. If you go to that little arrow thing in the upper right corner. Really? And you hit that, it expands it, and it shows your average steps for the month, for three months, and for the year. For, like, the last year or whatever. Oh, let me, uh... That's kind of interesting. Yeah, and you can go back through all the, the months and see, like, which ones you had the most steps in and everything. Yo, bro, charge me up. Yeah, get charged up. There he is. <laughs> get charged up, bro. Broski. That's Broski. interesting. Dang, I've had this Fitbit for a while now. It's tracked me for a long time. That's kind of awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah very nice. So you can see like all your averages and everything. See what yeah, you're I'm up looking. to, how it looks. I can't find it yet. You can't find it. Did you hit the little arrow thing in the corner? Okay, Maybe you don't well. have it, I mean. Now, you know, I've got the, well, now the app should be the app. Yeah, the app should be the same. Okay, so I... So, like, when you go on to the, this is me. See, don't y'all love it when me and Matt yeah, are doing like, something like this over the phone? <laughs> like, if hey, we forget that y'all are here, and we're just off in our own little world now. Yeah, yeah. catch up with us if you can. Yeah, I mean, like, and if not, we'll be back in a minute. If you're just looking at the app, and, and you click on the main thing where it says steps, and then you can scroll through all the steps that you've had by day, right? Well, at the top of that screen, like... At the very top corner underneath the settings little circle thing is that like two arrows pointing away from each other. Okay, hold up a second. And if you touch that, that expands the screen and it'll show you okay. your averages. Oh. Well, see. Oh, you know why it didn't make. Okay. I'm, I'm now you now. got it. Okay. I told you I was just about right. All so right. my average for one month is just about what I said yeah. 10,097 steps. I bet my three-month average is basically the same thing. Very nice. Uh, three-month, 9,500, which is basically the same. And my one-year is 9,200, basically the same. Yeah. So I walk about basically the same every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's about – most people do. I mean, generally speaking, most unless you make an effort, you know, if you just go about your, your – like Sundays for me are always really low. Like I'm at like 4,000 steps today because we haven't done anything. I've just been in the house all day. You know, but right. yesterday I cracked 10,000 because we were out and about walking around doing stuff. Right. You know, and on the weekend, like Sundays I usually don't care. I'm like, whatever. That's like the one day where I'm like, whatever. True that, true that. But yeah, yeah it's interesting. And, and so speaking of streaks and all that, I thought I'd bring this up for your Dallas people. Today is Sunday. Today is the last day of July, which means that the official July numbers are in. And it is a month that every single day had a warmer than normal temperature. It is the second warmest July in DFW history with an average daily temp of 91.7 degrees. My God, man. Now, you have to keep in mind, it's, that's not average high. That's the average overall temperature was 91.7 degrees. It also, now in, in DFW, and all you guys listening in the North Texas area are very well aware of this, 
there has not been any measurable rain at the official counter at DFW Airport since June 3rd. That means wow. it, is, it is now 58 consecutive days of no rain in the DFW area officially. That is tied for the second longest streak of all time. That will be surpassed as many of you are listening to this on Monday. And you are now targeting the longest drought of all time in DFW. You got to go back to the year 2000, where they went 84 days with no official rainfall. Wow. So you're 25 days off the record now. I mean, that's insane, dude. That is insane. I can't even say nothing about it other than, damn, it's been hot. Yep. (laughs) It's been... I mean, it's been crazy hot. And what's really weird is I was thinking about this the other day because where I live in Alabama, it rained a lot. I mean, it it rained a couple times last week. It rained, God, Saturday, yesterday. It poured down for multiple hours. And I thought, I wonder why, and maybe this is like a state's right issue. I mean, now you could never do it because we're not doing that. Yeah, we want to do it. F you. I mean, it'd be like that. Why don't we build aqueducts like they did back in the Roman Empire? to where you can transport some of the rainfall in areas where it rains all the time to areas that it doesn't rain very often that could use the water. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. I, I mean, I was thinking about it because, I mean, it, it rains here often, like really often. And I was like, man, like we don't even need this rain today. Like, it's just raining. And everything here is the hell of super green and lush and colorful. And then I'm talking to my dad and my parents on the phone, and they're like, oh, it's so brown. Like, everything here is like scorched earth. You all right? We lost yeah, you. That, was, that wasn't me. What I don't happened? know what happened. I was innocent that time. It happens to the best now, of us. What now, you should do? believe me because, you know, I don't have any problem admitting when I'm guilty. Uh, so I'm innocent that time. Yeah. And so, I don't know, man. I know you guys are dealing with all that right now. Like, it's just all brown and everything is fried. Everything's burnt. Pretty much, bro. Uh, on the real, man, this is, you know, it's really kind of dangerous because all it takes is a cigarette, yep. bus, cigarette spark or a Spark from a uh, from a blunt if you're of that uh, you know if you like to do that or you know it doesn't take much to to kickstart a flame, dude. I heard something the other day. Maybe it was I was listening to the ticket, but they're like a fire started because oh my god, forget that story. I got a better story, man. Okay, not that story. New story from Jacques. So, I had a can of Dr Pepper in my car, and I was at the mall. Don't ask me why I was at the mall. I was only there for a short period of time. Well, I was there for longer than a short period. Okay. Hey, here's the deal, man. Yes. The sun exploded the can in my car. Like it was unopened? Yes. Wow. Matter of fact, you know me. Let me see if I got a picture of that. And it got so hot, the can just blew up everywhere. Bro. That's exactly what yeah. happened. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was amazing. I was... I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, so there's soda everywhere. And I'm like, what the hell? And then it finally dawned on me what had happened. And I was like, oh, my God, this is yeah. insane. Wow, man. Yeah, I mean, that's that'll happen. Yeah, heat. Obviously, I mean, it gets super hot. And then inside a car, it gets even hotter. That makes a lot of sense that something like that could happen. I saw a video on Twitter from the Dallas, Texas TV account that showed some dude who just sitting in his backyard and, he, and all of a sudden, like, a fire just started in his backyard. It got so hot from some crap. Bro. And I thought he had to afflict a cigarette or something. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's so hot and everything is so dry right now in that area. Bro, so that's, that's what I'm telling you, man. It doesn't, doesn't require very much at all. Yeah, that would be rough. For that to happen. 
I, I, I I'm out. <laughs> so now be happy where you're at. You're in a good spot right now. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> so the other thing that we have for you here, and, and both of these came down today. First off, the champion of champions with more rings than he has fingers. The great Bill Russell has passed away. He died on Sunday at the age of 88. A colossal ambassador for the game of basketball. Some consider him the greatest basketball player of all time. I I don't know if I personally could say that. I never saw him play, obviously. But it's hard to argue. I mean, an 11-time NBA champion, maybe one of the great champions of all time. That's uh, You can't debate that part. Bro, there's nothing else to say, man. He's a uh, one of the greatest winners ever. Helped that uh, the biggest key component of that Celtics dynasty, and uh, you know every every NBA champion is compared to Bill Russell, basically, in terms of how you impacted the game. And the thing about him was he's a defensive player, wasn't an offensive player. He scored some, or he's about rebounding and blocking shots. Five time. NBA Most Valuable Player, 12-time All-Star, a 11-time All-NBA First or Second Team member, four times he led the NBA in rebounding, and of course, that coming on the heels of his collegiate career, people forget he he went to San Francisco, was the name of the university that he went to, he won back-to-back championships in college, was a two-time college champion before moving on to the NBA, and all they did was run through the NBA with 11 titles in his time with the Boston Celtics, man. I mean, what a dominant force he was. Dominant force. Oh, no. I mean, you know, there's nothing you can say. He's, he's the greatest winner, man. And uh, the Celtics dynasty, uh, and, and, you know, it's not just the Celtics dynasty, man. He was a player coach. He was big yep. into uh, establishing race relations and fighting racism and trying to get black players, uh, you know, getting the country to change, not just black players, but getting the whole country to change. And, you know, he, he's one of the most influential athletes of all time, bro. And it's not even a debate. It's, it's just where you place him. But he was certainly up there. It's so nuts, too, because you look at his rebounding totals. It's like Wilt Chamberlain numbers, you know, when you look at those. This is a dude who, in his career, averaged 15 points a game and 23 rebounds a game. Like, for his career. rebounds a game. How is that a thing, dude? <laughs> I mean, seriously, you look at his numbers. His rookie season, he barely missed 20 rebounds a game. He averaged 19-6. Then he averaged well over 20 rebounds a game for the rest of his career until his last two seasons when he averaged 18.6 and 19.3. <laughs> I mean, these numbers look fake. I mean, who averages 24 rebounds a game? Nobody, bro. God, you can't do that man. in 2K. That's so ridiculous. No, you can't. It's like impossible. I've tried. It's very difficult to do that, <laughs> to average that level of rebounding. I mean, what a just that's dominance. That's dominance <laughs> on the glass right there. And then, of course, the other death that we had that many of you will be familiar with, especially you Star Trek fans, if we have any Trekkies, but she played Commander Yahura on the original Star Trek. Nichelle Nichols passed away on July 30th on Saturday at the age of 89 years old. Wow. How about that? She had a hell of a run, bro. Man, she did. A life well lived. Uh, you know, same thing she did, man, being a black 
sex symbol on TV in the 60s. Don't think that that was like a regular occurrence. Uh, so, no, she gets a lot of props and a lot of kudos for that. Yeah, she was one of the first ever black women on television in, in a position of authority. And also, when she kissed Captain Kirk, that was one of the first ever interracial kisses on American television. Yeah, how about that? There you go. I, I <laughs> guess the kiss was like that. I don't know. I'm... I'm unfamiliar with. Did you? Were you a Star Trek guy? Did you grow up watching that at all? Because that was uh, what came out. When was that on TV? Like the '60s and maybe early Late '70s, 60s, right? But by the time I was a kid, the reruns were showing. And I was a Star Trek. I was a Star Trek fan, man. I mean, because you got to think back then that was a you know very cutting yeah. edge show. They had the uh, the phasers, or yeah, and then they had you know they had that thing where you where it's basically an elevator, but the doors yeah. open and shut, and you're like, wow, how about that, dude? It's an elevator. Um, <laughs> I mean, you still. know, they had the thing, the transport where they transport yeah. your body from here to there, and it it goes all galactic when it does it. They had Spock. I mean, it was great, man. Who didn't like Star Trek? What do you what you got to do now is, and I have not done this. Maybe we should do it, bro. You got to watch an episode of Star Trek now and go, my God, this is cheesy. Yeah, Spock, I, I imagine. Stop right there. No, Jim. We can't. Uh, I mean, it's great, bro. <laughs> I, I imagine it, it very much is, dude, because, you know, I will say this. I had I thought, I, I, and again, I've seen Star Trek a million times. My dad was a huge Star Trek. F like, I watched reruns with him when I was a kid growing up all the time. But, man, I did not realize that it only ran for three seasons. Bro, seemed like it ran a lot more. What, they had, like, 30 episodes a season? I, it had, yeah, basically. It was only three seasons. And they were 79 episodes. I mean, wow. it, I did doing some work. I, in my mind, I thought it ran for like a decade. I had no really? idea the original Star Trek only ran for three seasons. That is mind-boggling to me. I never in a million years would have guessed that. Now, Star Trek, the next generation, watched that with my dad. That ran for seven seasons. So start, the one with uh, Jean-Luc Picard as the captain, you know, yeah. Patrick Stewart and those guys, that show ran twice as long as the original Star Trek. And I never got into that one, bro. I did. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen all those episodes, actually. That, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that would still hold up. That's interesting, I though, because I don't remember. Like, I remember some of the original TV show, obviously. But more so, it's the movies that they made that I remember more than anything else. Because Star Trek, the motion picture, came out in the late 70s. Then you had, like, The Wrath of Khan and The Search for Spock and The Voyage Home, The Final Frontier. All those came out in the 80s. And they did, I want to say, six Star Trek episodes or movies with that original cast with Shatner on all those guys. I wonder what I was doing because I didn't, none of those appealed to me. Really? Like, I didn't see any of them. Okay. And I didn't miss any of them, and I never even thought about them. Dude, I, I watched a, I watched them all. Like, all the Next Generation movies. I watched Generations, First Contact, Insurrection, Nemesis, watched all those. And now, of course, you had... I guess the reboot of the series that has had three movies that have come out. And that last one came out, you know, where Chris Pine is playing Captain Kirk. The last one of those movies that came out was July 16th, but those were really good. I thought when they, when they put those out uh, about 10 years ago or whenever, when those started coming out, I thought those were really good movies. Oh uh, yeah. I, get, I, get that. I guess I, I am. I am a Star Trek fan. No, I, like, I don't yeah, think I'm, I'm not a Trekkie or anything. I couldn't tell you like all the characters and I don't pay attention to what they say and everything, but I enjoy it. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of that type of sci-fi. It's really well done. 
You know, sci-fi, I like it, but it ain't never been my thing since Star Trek. Yeah. I can't tell you why either. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I feel like you're either in it or you're not, you know? True and, that, true that. and I will say, like, there's a lot of sci-fi that's out there that I, that sci-fi can be so good or it can just be so over-the-top corny and you're like, what am I even trying to watch here? I don't even remember the last sci-fi thing that I saw unless you consider, like, the Atom Project. Like, I like time-traveling stuff a lot. Like, I like time travel. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by that quite a bit. So if that's considered science fiction, which I guess it probably would be to some degree, there's a movie on Netflix that Ryan Reynolds starred in called The Atom Project where he travels back from the future and he encounters himself as a little kid. <laughs> and it's, he's like 10 and he needs his 10-year-old help. And it's kind of interesting. And then they run into his dad. I mean, and it, I thought, man, this is... You know, it's typical Ryan Reynolds. There's a lot of sarcasm and Ryan Reynolds doing his thing. But the, the, the premise of the movie and the movie itself, I thought, was a really good Netflix movie. So you guys might want to check that out. It's worth watching. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that. So as we continue, we move forth. And it's time to tell you a little bit about the Texas Rangers, if we might. I know. I know people are God, the Rangers, really? The trade deadline's coming up. As most of you listen to this on Monday, it's Tuesday, Tuesday evening. And you and I had talked about this a couple of weeks back about Joey Gallo and how the Yankees would absolutely love to get rid of this dude. And would the Rangers be interested in bringing him back? And you look at Joey Gallo and the Yankees, he has played in 82 games this year. He's hitting 159. He has 37 hits. Aaron Judge has more home runs than Joey Gallo has hits. How about that, bro? I mean, how is that even possible? How are you that bad where you have fewer hits than Aaron Judge has home runs? I mean, that's just amazing. Bro, baseball's a hard game, man. And uh, when you get in your head, Drew, dude, you're just done, man, because it's such a mental beatdown. Uh, that's the thing about baseball I respect the most. It is truly a mental beatdown. Yeah, and, and um, you know, we, when we talked about this before, I was kind of like, I, I have no interest in Joey Gallo. If you, like, I, like, unless you can trade him for, like, a bag of baseballs or something, it, there's no prospect that's worth giving up for where he is. But right. I do wonder if coming back to Texas, if getting out of New York, New York eats some people alive, and, and it kills them. And it's obviously done that to Joey Gallo, and he's not a fit there. I'd be interested in seeing would he want to do some sort of a, a short-term prove-it contract. Hey, maybe you come back and you find your bat again. Good for you. And for a couple of years, you know, you do like one of those one-year deals with a team option on it or something. I, I don't know. I mean, this is a guy who turns 29 in the offseason, about to be 30. Uh, at this point, I, I don't that's, know. A, that's not a bad deal, bro. He's got nothing to offer now. And so for me, if I'm Joey Gallo, and it doesn't matter whether it's Texas or somewhere else, I need to go somewhere where I can play, where there's not a lot of pressure, and I can try to perform, you know, to the best of my ability. Because he's better than what – now, he ain't never been no great player, but he's a hell of a lot better than this. And I think he just got caught up in his own head trying to prove to the Yankee fans he was worth this or that. And that's the worst possible thing you can ever do. Yeah, and I've seen the reports that there are teams interested in Gallo and that the three teams that have the most interest, apparently, are the Brewers, the Padres, and the Rays. And, again – the Yankees, okay, maybe you get some salary relief. You're probably not getting a prospect of any note from any team. And he's they're going to move him. They're going to trade him to somebody because they just they just traded for uh, Benintendi 
And that trade right there basically means Joey Gallo is not, he's not going to get in the lineup anymore. So you almost right. kind of wonder, okay, is this one of those things where somebody just kind of throws you a bone and, and we'll see if Joey Gallo can turn some things around. But for the Rangers, for me, this is a team that has really fallen off of late. And we kind of talked about that in our last podcast. I mean, you look at how many losses they have and, and what are they now? They're, they're four and 10 in their last 14 games. They're 10 right. games under 500 now. They're 45 and 40, 35, or excuse me, 45 and 55 for the season now. They've really fallen off. They had a losing record in June. It's only gotten worse in July. This is not a team to me that needs to be buyers. And if you've got anything that you can get some pieces for that you can use in the future, I'm at a point I'm like, just sell them and let's move on. Bro, that's the only thing to do. I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense. Go ahead and make that move and uh, rid yourself of it and just accept it for what it is <laughs> and, and move on. That, to me, makes sense. Uh, you know, Martin Perez, hey, you know, I think this is a career year for him. I wouldn't expect him to do anything remotely close to this yeah. again. Um, you know, anybody else that you can sell that's not part of your future, go ahead and add a prospect. Add whatever, man. Uh, they had an opportunity to, to try to compete for a wild card spot. They didn't take advantage of it. Let's not lie to ourselves. It is what it is, brother. Yeah, and, and I mean, you look at it now. Even a couple of weeks ago, Texas was, you know, three, four games out of that wild card spot. Because keep in mind, three teams get in the wild card now. Well, they're now seven and a half games out of that last wild card spot. And you've got five teams in front of you. I, uh, that's not, not happening. happening. It's not happening for you, man. It's just not. Now, I will say... One thing that's interesting about the Rangers is Cleveland is a game and a half out of the second wild card. The Rangers are the only other team that is not in playoff position that has a positive run differential. Like they're plus 11 on the season and they're nine, 10, nine games under 500, whatever it is, because I think they won today. So I put them at nine games under 500. But you look at that, like all the teams that are worse than them or, or that are in their company all have like way negative run differentials. It's kind of weird to see that and see Texas sitting where they are with the positive well, actually, run differential. Actually, it makes sense to me, bro. What are they like? Last I checked, five and 23 in one run games. Yeah, they're getting their So they're not a bad team. And then secondly, they got the one of the worst bullpens in baseball. Yep. So, you know. If they had a better bullpen and performed better one-run games, they wouldn't be where they are. They'd be around 500. So they're not – they're a classic case of they're not really as bad a team as the record indicates, but they are what they are. Yeah, they are what they are, and we'll see how it goes. Obviously, with the trade deadline coming, will any of these pieces be moved? But I was reading something earlier today where some of these guys are reporting that this might be one of the wildest trade deadlines that we've had just in general across Major League Baseball in some time. So that'll Is that be interesting. Because so many teams feel like they got a shot. Yeah, I think I think so. I I think it's one of those things where everybody is just kind of trying to jump in on it because you know instead of there being two or three teams in the wild card race, now there's like five in each league. So yeah, so you're in it to win it. Yeah, and uh, if you haven't won for a while, you at least want to do something to give your fans a little a little help. Yes, you you at least want to do something. That's very very true. So the other thing I wanted to get into was the NFL outside of the Cowboys. As, you know, I don't think people realize we got preseason football this week. The Hall of Fame game is Thursday night. Shit, I was one of those people who didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, man. 7 o'clock Thursday night, it's the Raiders and the Jags for the Hall of Fame game. And wow. the preseason is here. It's right now. 
And it's interesting because you start looking around at some of these camps and some of the stories. Well, the one that everybody was talking about last week towards the end of the week was that stuff with Kyler Murray. And then there was that clause in his new contract that required him to do four hours of independent film study a week. And then it became a big deal, so much so that the Cardinals decided to just take it out of his contract, and it made it even more of a big deal. You know, man, sometimes you wonder, like, what is wrong with people? Like, who's their PR person? Because their PR person says, hey, guys, check this out. If we just don't say anything, the news cycle will be over and folks will be on to something else. Yeah. If you move this, you're going to create a whole entire new news cycle where people are talking about, hey, they took the claws out. And then you'll have another follow-up news cycle on, what does it mean that they took the claws out? It was in, it was out. Does that mean he studies now? He didn't study before. Um, Because the damage was already done. Every time he has a bad game, every time he makes a bad throw, every time he makes a bad decision, somebody's going to ask him, how much uh, work did you put in this week, Kyler? And because he's kind of a douche, they won't ask him. They'll call their sources on the team. Hey, man, what time was Kyler getting into the facility this week? Uh, Most times he's there about 7.30, 8 o'clock. Okay, what time you leave? I don't know. Uh, four or five. Ah, okay. And they'll write those types of stories. Yeah. So, you know, this ain't going away. And, he, and uh, this is not a, I mean, it is what it is, bro. It's also not going away because he's a douche. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I always tell this story, man, when, it, when it's apropos. I think this was Dak's second year when he was really struggling and he had a bad game. He threw a couple interceptions. And that dude stood up there and answered questions like he normally does on his day. But then he stayed later, and he was showing people on an iPhone, like, you know, off a regular video, like, here's what I saw, and here's why it went bad, blah, blah, blah. And he was done with his interviews, and he was walking to the restroom, which is directly across the hall, and he got caught in another wave. And he stayed in that wave about 20 minutes and answered questions about what he did wrong, da, 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 da. And then people now wonder why, for the most part, from the media, he gets the benefit of the doubts because people like Dak. Now, you shouldn't have your coverage based on that, but it, that's the reality, man. Yeah. When people, when media likes you, they treat you differently when they don't like you. Now, you can take the approach, I'm so good, I don't give a damn whether you like me or not. And that's cool. Jeff George took that approach. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. No, nobody cares. I mean, it's your it's your choice. But just understand the consequences from taking that action. Yeah, I, I thought the whole thing with the Kyler Murray bit was in his whole thing where, you know, he wasn't scheduled to speak the other day and he walked in on a press conference that was going on and, and just kind of went to the podium and, and had some things to say about it. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. And, and I thought, man, I, I just kind of wonder if he is one of those guys because – you know, he, he's had an interesting career. He hasn't had, like, a crazy amount of success. He's been able to make plays with his feet, obviously. You know, he's made some plays with his arm. He's, he's slung it around. I mean, hell, he's my fantasy football quarterback last year. You know, the dude can put up some numbers. But he hasn't been – it feels like – and I wonder if this is why they put this in here. It feels like there's still more, like, another level that he can get to that we haven't seen from him yet. Well, let's say that he didn't play the last six, seven games without DeAndre Hopkins, and that matters. That's very true, very true. And he's not going to have him for the first six games this year. Yeah, so all of that matters. But, you know, man, I'm going to call it the Dez Bryant factor Uh, because, you know, this is what happened. It just is what it is, man. 
Des Bryant, when he showed up in the league, was a fantastic athlete. You throw it up, Tony, I'll go get it. Mm-hmm. He never, and when he was a fantastic athlete, he never took the time to do what? Master becoming a master tech, master the fact, master the art of running routes and becoming a master tactician. You could do that when you're a fantastic athlete. That gives you time to learn the craft. He didn't give a damn about the craft because he's such a great athlete. He's just jumping over people, catching balls, scoring touchdowns. What yeah. happened once his athleticism, what's happened the moment his athleticism left, bro? His career was over. Yeah. The moment he ceased to be an elite athlete by NFL standards, his athleticism was over. Yeah. Boom. Period. End of conversation. So, transfer to this. The moment um, your boy's uh, athleticism is over, will he still be able to be a quarterback or will his career be over? Yeah, it'd be curious to see, man. That's kind of what I thought. I, I, you see these guys before that have never really had to – because they're such an athlete that they they don't have to do some of the things that other people have to do to be on their level because it's just so natural to them. When I saw that clause that they put it in there in Kyler Murray's contract, that's what I thought. I immediately thought, well, damn, I wonder if he's just getting by on sheer talent. He's just that much better than everybody. You know, he said in his comments, he's like, this league's too good for that. And I was like, well, you're pretty damn good, man. You know, and can you take it to that next level by doing the things that you have to do that it takes to become a real champion? True that. Great point. Only time will tell. But I thought that was interesting with Kyler Murray. And, man, it's, it's – you know, I got my fantasy football draft next weekend, which is way too early, and I was doing some prep for that this year, you know, and you look at it and it's like, man, like this is – it's wild that the NFL season is already here. And it's also wild, like, how many guys, like big names, change teams. You know, we, all, we talk – like, we forget – like when it was happening, you'd bring it up and then you forget about it. You look at it, he's like all these different teams that have new quarterbacks this year. Right. You know, like Ben Roethlisberger's gone. So obviously the Steelers have a, a rookie, but Matt Ryan's in Indianapolis and Carson Wentz is in Washington now, you know, and Russell Wilson is in Denver. I mean, it's just all these different hops and skips all around the league and guys that but it makes the league. It makes the league interesting because you don't usually have this type of movement. So, yeah. you know, we're all fascinated trying to see how it's going to go and how it's going to work out. But it's very intriguing, man. And, uh, you know, Doc, the NFL, the NFL owns America's sports mind. That's very I mean, true. It owns the offseason. It owns the season. It's, it's the head honcho, brother. It is. It's the, top of the, it's the top of the chart. That is very, very top true. Top of the food chain. And all the things you talked about are why. I mean, there's so much interest every year on the season because we all want to know how these guys act. We'll be watching Colts football, even if you normally don't, just see what Matt Ryan does. You'd be watching Carson Wentz with Washington just to see what he does. Like, this guy used to be a stud. Now he's a buster. Like, can he get it back? Russell Wilson, is he done? Even if he is, he goes home to Sierra every night. So how bad can it be? <laughs> uh, you know, bro? But all those questions, dog. Yeah, that is the truth, man. And it's, it's really interesting, too, like when you start looking at things. And I, I, this – happens from time to time I'm like man like I, you don't not that I forgot about the guy but it's just especially at the running back position it's always interesting like when you start looking at it from fantasy purposes like in any given year like three years will go by and you're like man I remember when Zeke was like you had to have Zeke and now you look at it in probably the top two three running backs in fantasy this year Jonathan Taylor is the number one back Derrick Henry is probably number two you know is McCaffrey still going to be number four Austin Eckler Najee Harris those are probably Dalvin Cook maybe if you want to throw him in there those are your like top five backs in fantasy football 
You know, and, and it wasn't that long ago that it was Saquon Barkley and Zeke Elliott. And it's just interesting how that position just turns through guys, man. Bro, it happens, man. It does. It happens. It does. And, and you know, even with wide receivers, it's like Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase are, are probably the top three wide receivers this year, you know, and you go through it and you see guys like that. And CeeDee Lamb is going to be, I think, a really highly drafted fantasy player, especially in this offense, because everybody's looking at the Cowboys going, well, Michael Gallup's not going to start this season. They lost Amari Cooper. Who the hell are they going to throw to? CeeDee Lamb's going to get a ton of, like, fantasy purpose-wise. CeeDee Lamb's going to have all the opportunity in the world, man. Yeah, Dalton Schultz is going to be one of those underrated fantasy tight ends this year (laughs) just because of the volume that he'll probably be able to get. Bro. I mean, reality of it is, nobody cares if you block in fantasy. I don't give a crap if you can be a good blocker in fantasy, but you're going to get a ton of targets and have a lot of opportunities. I think Jalen Tolbert might be one of those under-the-radar type fantasy guys that's kind of worth stashing, you know what I mean? I can see that. I can see that. But Gallup, Gallup's interesting to me, too, because people are going to be shying away from him. I don't know. You, I just started, I've been looking at all these guys. Draft and, he's a guy you draft and hope that at the end of the year he's putting up numbers. Yes. Yep. That is exactly what I'm going to be hoping for. I just can't believe it's already time for my fantasy draft. It's a big week because I'm flying to Austin on Wednesday and I'll be in Austin Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I fly back to Birmingham next Sunday. So we're going to have some stuff for you on the podcast. Yeah, because I'm not going to take my equipment with me. So we're going to have some stuff ready to go so that we don't miss an episode. So we'll have that for you. Because I'll be in uh, Jackson next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah. So Saturday. Yeah, that's what's crazy, man. I mean, so we'll we'll have another episode that will drop for you on Wednesday. And then we'll have another one for you on Friday as well. But that one will be with us both being in completely different locations. And we've got some stuff on the Cowboys season, some audio that I've pulled and been working on that we're going to have some thoughts as we get. I mean, again, as crazy as it is to think, the NFL preseason is here, man. I mean, it is. It's. I can't believe the Hall of Fame game is on Thursday. Nah, no joke, bro. I've been so busy, I hadn't even thought about it. Well, yeah, yeah. because everybody's going to be listening to this on August 1st. We are in August. The Cowboys, that means, as we sit right now, the Dallas Cowboys' first preseason game is less than two weeks away. It's Saturday, August 13th against the Broncos is that first preseason game. Go figure, brother. Go figure. It's here. Yeah, because you got that. Then you got the Chargers the next week. You got the Seahawks the week after that. And then welcome to the NFL season. I mean, it is here, man. It is here. Yeah, brother, it is. So quick one here this afternoon. We'll have some more for you with another new episode dropping on Wednesday. Hope everybody has a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.